Welcome to Polycast, a civilization podcast focused on game strategy. Canis Albinas. Makalua. The man team. Mega Bears fan. Happy Saturday, Internets, and welcome to Polycast episode number 364. I am one of your regular co-hosts, Mega Bears fan, joined by Canis Albinus. It's only Saturday if they listen to it on Saturday. Otherwise, it's some other day. Makalua. Uh, so can we call it Saharan Dust Cloud Day? Because that's multiple days across the U.S. this week. And we... me and team. Thirsty for destruction? You will be thirsty no more. No, you are only allowed to listen to Polycast on Saturdays. I have commanded it. Man, that's going to cut into our listenership a little bit. Yeah, some people are busy on Saturdays. Oh, dear. Hmm? Well, if they're busy on Saturday, they can't be listening to us. It's true. And then they wouldn't be able to listen anymore. It's unfortunate. Yeah, why'd you cut out, why, yeah, why'd you cut out so many fans like that? Gosh. All right, I rescind the Saturday requirement. After careful deliberation... That was the wrong intro, but we'll go with it. <laughs> it says forum talk. No, forum it talk? says it says uh, news. Oh, <laughs> skipped. Uh, my brain. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We've already <laughs> gone through one. That's all right. The forum talk can be news this time. Yeah. <laughs> this you can week, tell who hasn't had enough caffeine yet. This week we had the Civ June 2020 patch. Which, uh, mostly Red Death, but that's okay, because Red Death isn't that bad, right? Have any of us actually played it? It's it's one of those things that could be interesting for a few games worth, but, you know, I don't know that it would be, like, a permanent add-in to, like, our Saturday night schedule or anything like that. Yeah, so this patch adds aliens and zombies. So, even more XCOM crossover stuff. Uh, Alien Faction has camouflage technology, allowing them to ambush and escape danger. They have health regeneration. And then there's zombies who are obviously zombies. They have only zombie hordes. They can't heal normally, take damage over time, and heal when they kill other enemy units and get more units when they kill enemies. And by exploring city ruins, raider camps, and supply drops. So basically just zombies. Because no video game is complete without aliens and zombies. Uh. <laughs> Nothing can have, no sci-fi thing cannot have aliens and zombies anymore. It's, it's like a requirement. Oh, Gotta have one or the other. It doesn't even have to be sci-fi. I remember uh, Call of Duty adding zombie oh, yeah. modes to it. I mean, you know, even back when it was like World War II Call of Duty, they had zombie modes. <laughs> zombie and Nazis were... or whatever. 
they were ridiculously popular, and I really don't like zombies, so blah. Red Dead Redemption had a zombie expansion. No video game is complete without a zombie expansion. <sighs> yeah, Phil pretty much summed it up there. <laughs> In addition... Like, they're okay now and then, but come on, guys. <clears throat> yeah. In addition, all factions now have a unique ability. The aliens get camouflage. The cultists get a giant death robot. And as they uh, earn promotions by sacrificing themselves to it. So over time, the GDR gets to full operational status. Yawn. Border Lords, they get Grieving Gift, which is... They get to put a fake supply drop on the map, and it triggers an explosion. The jocks <laughs> get the jocks get Hail Mary, which is a small tactical nuke, can be launched from any combat unit, has a small blast radius of a single hex. I like the name. That is indeed mm-hmm. a very small nuke. I mean, if it wasn't literally a ripoff from Fallout 4's touchdown. Yeah, well... It's true. Um, the mutants have radiant personalities. They absorb eight. Uh, whenever they absorb eight radiation charges per turn, they spread the red death to non-red death hexes. Act automatically for one charge per hex. They do not take fallout damage from mutated spread. Mutant spread red death. Okay, so that apparently means they get to spread the fog. Preppers get to put improvised traps, which permanently reduce the um, the movement points a unit gets. You get five traps per visit to each um, city ruin, raider camp, or supply crate. And they're invisible to the non-preppers. Pirates get buried treasure. They start with a treasure map that goes to a specific place. When the pirate reaches that place, they get a unit and a new treasure map. Mad scientists get defensive inertial engineer image en- defensive inertial shielding. All units get plus ten combat strength while defending. When shielded, they have immunity to WMD blast, red death, and water poison damage. Wanderers can see all terrain they've already revealed, and zombies get. What they always get. Also, we now have uh, our favorite Sean Bean narrating the Red Death game. <laughs> well, now to be funny. And when you're killed, you can still watch observer watch in observer mode. You can also vote kick now. Huh. I would have thought those last two would have been in from the start, but I guess not. You would think. <laughs> Some natural vote kick will never get misused. No, not at all. Some natural wonders have been updated. They've uh, changed Aya Sahara to give plus two production and one science while still providing one science and one production once the game enters the atomic era. What was it before? Does anyone remember? Because that sounds like what it was already giving. I think they just added it. They just added so that it's three production, three science. Mm, okay. Yosemite gets one food and one gold science and two appeal adjacent tiles. 
as opposed to just the previous three. And Cliffs of Dover gets four appeal to tiles instead of just plus two. And then there's a whole laundry list of religious belief changes. I'm not going to read through all of them, but suffice to say, they are very important. It's nice to see some of them <clears throat> get a little bit of a boost. Although Alini of the Reeds and Marshes will be uh, really good at plus two. It was already really good. Yeah. It was kind of map dependent because I, I remember it did not include floodplains, which was one of the things that kept throwing me off because uh, there was a similar thing I think in Civ Five that did include floodplains and it does desert floodplains. Yeah, oh, that's that's right. Yeah, that's that's what kept throwing me off. Is I, I would do it in plains floodplains, uh, and uh, and then not get the bonus and then be like, dang it. Yeah, you have yeah, to have because... the tiles, but like immediate access to something you don't even have to improve is uh, really strong. Yes, agreed. And it looks like there's also two completely new pantheons. No, they're not all pantheons. Most of these are followers and founder beliefs. Oh, right. Okay, yes. Founder and enhancer belief. Sorry. Sacred places, plus two science, gold, culture, and faith. For every city in this religion that has a world wonder. Yeah. And holy waters. <clears throat> Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Fish a new one. Holy uh, Waters increases healing to all religious units by plus 10 in holy site districts belonging to cities with your majority religion or adjacent tiles. One of the changes I like is cross-cultural dialogue, because used to it had to be, it was plus one science for five followers and other cis. Now it's just, now it's plus one science for every four followers, full stop. So it's yeah. both your Civ and other Civ. So, you know, because I would not pick it up. There was something similar in Civ Five that was like this, and it was for all followers. It might have been gold instead of science, but... It was Tithe. Thank you. Which also <clears throat> still exists in this game, but it has been switched to plus three gold per city instead of plus one gold per four followers. Yeah, because that could because in both games that could be broken. But the style... Burial grounds and church pro- pro- uh, property have been removed. Oh. Didn't notice the removal ones. Probably those were ones that didn't get used that often. I assume they were the ones removed to replace sacred places and holy waters. Yeah, maybe they're at some kind of like hard-coded limit in the number they can implement or something. Uh. The pagoda gives favor now instead of housing. Hmm. And the Gurwara Gudwara gets that housing in addition to what it had before. And it looks like they moved some uh, housing to the Feed the World follower belief that comes from uh, shrines and temples. Oh, they've capped it at the three food words before it was equal to their faith output. Yeah. yeah. But it provides a uh, plus two housing each, so. Yeah. <clears throat> Means you they don't moved have to... the. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, so it means you don't have to hit the population cap as quickly. They they basically merged feed the world with a religious community, and they took the religious community and turned it into plus one gold for every temple and shrine in the origin city of of um, international trade routes. Buffing well, international works. routes even more. Yeah, because you want more things, and I had actually sometimes been using both of those together 
the Feed the World and religious community. So now I can just take Feed the World and I can still go in and get like the stupas and things like that. If I only manage to get two things in there and I don't have enough apostles to finish out the religion. Another uh, uh, interesting change is uh, work ethic, which used to just be a um, production percentage production boost, uh, is now basically turning holy sites into uh, early game uh, industrial complexes. Hmm. Holy site district faith adjacency bonus provides production as well. Yeah. World Church works as a tithe for culture. Or as an old tithe for culture, because it's one culture for every four followers of the religion. Yeah, they made it a culture version of what cross-cultural dialogue does. Yeah. Which is weird, because wouldn't cross-culture dialogue give you culture? (laughs) But I don't think a church necessarily (laughs) gives you science, so... Well, it depends can. on the time in history. Sometimes, depending on the time in history. Most of history it was one of the driving factors, so that's pretty reasonable. There was only that one period where part of one church decided that it didn't want to do science. And that was mostly because of political reasons, but... Well. Political reasons is the answer to too, far too many things lately. Unfortunately. Nihil novi subsole. True. <laughs> I do kind of wonder now if cross-culture dialogue and world church are going to be substantially better than uh, Tithe uh, just because of uh, how much they got buffed and how much Tithe got nerfed. Like, they almost kind of inverted the way they work. I I guess I've seen too many playthroughs where the Tithe thing has been used to really ridiculously buff gold and somebody basically buys their way to winning. Yeah, I mean, Tithe has always been, like, ridiculously strong. I, I even remember, I think, in Civ Five, Tithe was one of the better uh, religious beliefs, just because, you know, gold in both Civ Five and Civ Six has been really good. I don't know of a time when gold isn't good. Yeah, more money is, tends to be helpful, on average. But yeah. I guess in Civ Four, the amount of gold you got was not as important, but well, it's still pretty good. You could go into democracy and spend it, though. So, even there. Still pretty good. And there was also the fact that in Civ Four, the amount of gold that you were making also served to kind of cap out how much uh, science and culture you could generate. So, you weren't spending the gold, but you did need to have a lot of it coming in. Otherwise, your science and culture would grind to a halt. If I remember correctly. Phil can probably correct me. Um... It depended on your expenses, too. But yeah, like you could, using the sliders, effectively funnel uh, gold into other things. And how efficient that was depended on how many multipliers you had built. Oh, yes. Good old binary research. Yeah. There are some nuance to sliders that newer games uh, seem to lose. They They don't tend to capture it. I think there's a place for that kind of mechanic. You, just, you don't need the entire game to revolve around only that. But Civ War didn't, so... I don't know, Civ War is pretty good. A lot of new games want players to be able to have their cake, eat it, and lose weight, too. <laughs> I don't know about that. Depends on the game, really. It's just, what are you... Ultimately, you're going to be making trade-offs. No matter what 
those look like. You're ultimately going to be making trade-offs, and I think it's okay to have a mixture of trade-off mechanics that interact with each other, because that gives you a little bit more complexity. A few and posts, some fun interactions. A few uh, posts into the Sifanatic posts about this uh, uh, patch notes is one from uh, user Kwame that says, What? Church property was almost always better than tithe. Now tithe is church property plus 50%. I uh, do not recall church property being that good. So I'm wondering if this user and I were playing the same game. Well, it was just plus two gold for each city in the religion. Oh, that's right. I was thinking church property was the culture one. That was world church. Other uh, parts of this bug patch fix. Uh, general bug fixes and Polish. <laughs> Gotta go with the old joke. Polish. Uh, Various crashes and performance improvements. Play-by-cloud functionality restored to all players. Does that mean that we can actually play um, Unix and Windows again, or not? You mean without the workaround? Yeah. I guess we'll find out. Because it doesn't actually say. I was going to say, I'll find out in about uh, six hours from now. Yeah. Well, we did also have a dev stream this week, which hilariously started with, oops, we lost on turn one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They were showing off the red death mode mostly and just don't think there was much other chat. A little bit of like, somebody I think in the comments was like, yeah, we'll, we'll address this in a future patch. Well, great, guys. Thanks. Could you tell us when the future patch is? Kind of, you know. Well, the future patch will obviously be in August. Yeah, but I think I think I think people get hung up on wanting specific dates sometimes. Well, not necessarily, Canis, because a future patch does not necessarily mean the next patch. Oh yeah, yeah. There's that it, too. It could be any of the patches between August and next March. Yeah, technically speaking, if you want, because we don't pedantic. know how <laughs> pedantic around here. <laughs> Who would ever happen? Impossible. Yeah, there's a little conversation in the comments about uh, bars because he got because because he because <clears throat> he lost on the first turn. And like, oh no, people need to be protected from barbs. It's like, yeah, but this is a special case scenario. It's supposed to be rough, you know. And when we play the regular game, we have the option of no barbs. So, but it's also supposed to be like a competitive multiplayer online only game. So, like. You'd think that this it would be more important than for the starts to be balanced and for players to not just, you know, die as soon as the game mode loads. It's a yeah. battle royale. Nothing is balanced. <laughs> even so, like, it would be nice to have a little bit of sanity checking. Even if you have asymmetric starts, you, you, the starts should still be playable in principle. <laughs> ideally, ideally speaking. I mean, in a in a typical battle royale game, I don't I haven't played Red Death, so I don't know how it works. But in like Fortnite and other similar battle royale games, you effectively paradrop into the arena. So where you start is kind of up to you. And if you paradrop right on top of someone else who promptly kills you, that's you know your decision. 
That was so a I bad strategy. I don't know if, if the Red Death does that. I'm assuming it just works like Civ, where you just start at a randomly selected start location that's out of your control. In which case, yeah, I, it doesn't. it's not the same as you choosing where to start, and therefore I, I do feel like there should be a, a little bit better parity for that turn one conditions. But that's just me. The only truly balanced starts is Tetris 99. Which is still the best battle royale. Don't at me. That's uh, quite the claim to say that's the only balanced one. It's the only one where you start with the exact same thing in every game. And everything you start with is just a big, empty box. And you get to fill the box, as you wish. Everyone starts with an empty box, just have a random assortment of pieces. The same random assortment. I think they're all the same. Oh. One other thing in the dev stream is there was sort of a hint that the secret societies is somewhat, I think someone described it as silly slash fantastical. Is it like CK2? I hope it's like CK2. I don't know. It was, it was just like hinting. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's probably not like CK2. <laughs> Do, we, we don't need devil worshipping in my sieve. <laughs> it would be fun. I mean, no. that's like the secret <clears throat> society of all secret societies. How can you not have that? That's the zombies yeah. of secret societies. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I hate those, yeah. too. But it was also hinted that the other modes coming up were going to be, you know, the next ones are going to be more traditional and historical. So, you know, depending on what you want, you're going to get something to make you happy, hopefully. Any love in my Civ game is enough for me. I still have yet to play the uh, fancy new Disasters mode that was added last month. Oh, it's fun. Oh, is it? So it gets an endorsement and thumbs up from Canis? Yes, although it is very hard. It is fun. Yeah, well, maybe I'll give it a try then. Yeah, apocalypse mode. Apo- bleh. Apocalypse mode. Try not to d- try to win before you die. <laughs> apocalypse mode. Do not settle on rivers. <laughs> or if you do, research buttresses really fast. Or build the Great Bath. Yeah, that too. The AI doesn't be. Also, don't settle near volcanoes. Just don't. Yeah, I mean, the AI builds the Great Path in like 10, 15 turns into the game anyway, so good luck building that. Yeah, I was going to say, good luck with that on high difficulties. Yeah, yeah I, all right. I, I, <laughs> Unless by build, you mean build a bunch of units to take the Great Path? <laughs> yeah. What, what, what's, what's the Civ 6 equivalent of this? Uh, your favorite Six Axe Wonder? Oh, you could build the Swords Wonder for sure. Mmm. Takes a little bit longer, though. Yeah, well, I mean, timescales in Civ 6 are different than 4, though. So, it's debatable if that's really a setback. But yeah, it, it will take longer, just because you have more turns involved or whatever. Silence? <coughs> the next yeah. topic time. Yeah, I was going to say, should I play the same thing again? Do you want me to play the thing I should have played earlier? You might as well just uh, start the topic because we've already got the, the audio in place. Okay. Okay. In that case, for once, I'm not jumping the, the audio cue. 
Oh, this works out. <laughs> yeah, that's one way that I can uh, not forget to uh, <laughs> do that. Confession time. What have you never done in this game that other people do routinely? Uh, started by Walker JKS. For those that play a lot, what have you never done in the game that seems routine? I have a couple things that I'm not positive about the second. Maybe did it for City State Quest. Yeah, one has never conquered a uh, city state, and two never built a siege unit. Whoa. Okay, that's uh, you know, although yeah, that's not sure about sure. that, but still, like, whoa. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> well, well, how did you? The siege units really do suck in Civ Six. So up until well, uh, well, but, wait a minute, or are we not counting like ba- counting battering rams and siege engines and artillery siege though? Towers. Well, I think those... technically those are a support units, so I don't think those fall into the siege unit class. I'm assuming that this post meant the siege unit class, which is just catapults, uh, bombards, okay. and artillery. All right. Yeah, it's true that, and you can go like bombards with. Uh... With balloons, but really, it, it's really until artillery where siege starts becoming really good. So yeah, okay. Um, for me, I'm sure most people who've been following the show or know me can guess that there are certain pseudo victory conditions that I have not actually won in Civ Six or Civ Five or Civ Five. Is that true? I'm not sure. I, I might have picked up a few in Civ Five, but I, there are there. It's true that there will be some pseudo. Victory conditions I didn't get in Civ Five as well, but I think I might have grabbed one or two of them. Well, and it's easy to accidentally trip over other victory conditions on your way to a conquest victory. Like you know, you just happen to overwhelm everyone else's culture because no one else is generating culture anymore. Well, that's true, well, but it doesn't happen a lot on Deity. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've never, I've never won tourism by accident on Deity, and I don't think I've won tourism at all. Or uh, science, or religion, I've had or a, diplomatic. I've had a few <laughs> accidental tourism victories on uh, Emperor and Immortal, uh, or not Immortal. Uh, what's the one down from Deity? It's, uh, immortal, it's immortal, right? Yeah, it's immortal. And then the one down from that is Emperor, right? Yep. Yeah, I've 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 tripped <laughs> over a few uh, accidental tourism victories on my way to. Uh, uh, con- domination victory and uh, emperor difficulty a few times. Yeah, someone gets them sometimes in our weekend co-op games. I've also had a, f- a few instances where, like, I wasn't planning on going for a diplomatic victory, but then I realized I was like four victory points away from winning it just because I had been doing emergencies and stuff like that. Uh, and then I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll just vote for myself in the World Congress and see if I win the game early. Yeah, I think I've tripped over the religion things on the way to science just because I started that early to give myself the boost. And I wasn't trying necessarily, but then when I think I had to go punch some people in the face because they, you know, wouldn't leave me alone. And then, oh, wait, there's no other religions now. Oh, I won. Oops. I do. You raised the only city following the other religion. <laughs> yeah, that's feels oh, bad. Oh, yeah, moment. remember the time Mackie raised a holy city in Sephora? <laughs> Oops, World War One. It's all directed at me. Cause it was a multiple holy city, that was the thing. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I think So in other a... words, you raised Jerusalem. That would be bad. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I raised that game's equivalent in Jerusalem and then the whole map hated me that wasn't human. Yeah, if I Don't remember... worry, Mackie, I was proud of you. <laughs> if I remember correctly, it was really easy in Civ Four for like the first three religions to all be founded in the same city. Um, 
Isabella. Yeah, from the AI, that could happen. It wasn't that common, though. Um, because Isabella, they guys love going for that crap early. Well, I was only ever playing Civ 4 on like the medium difficulties, so my experience in that game is going to be a lot different than uh, than your experiences, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't play Deity a lot. I did a little bit. I, I have some Deity wins in Civ 4, uh, but... I mostly played Immortal. I think I was mostly on Prince and maybe played a few towards the end at King or Noble or something. Civ, Civ 4's difficulty levels were different than 5 and 6's. Noble was the cool. one that had the most balanced uh, bonuses between player and AI. Yeah, it was the... It still wasn't perfectly even, but it was the closest you were going to get. I may or may not have lost a Civ, 5, or Civ 4 Settler game. How'd you pull that off? It was my first game. Oh, wow. excuse. <laughs> I lost a space race to hit top shit. I'm impressed yeah. that I actually launched the ship on that difficulty. It was before any of the the expansions. Okay. Even still, a lot of times it just ends on score and the really low levels. Yeah. You got unlucky. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the game uh, goes to a score victory and the AIs are still like just barely bumbling into the renaissance. I have come a long way since then. Yeah, of course. Well, we all have from the first Civ game, because my first Civ game involved, whoa, I conquered off the Americas and I've got muskets, I'm doing really well, and then the Zulu showed up with tanks. That doesn't sound good. That that seems, not very well. That's never that, a good feeling. That seems like a common occurrence. It is a good feeling time. if that happens and you still win, though. <laughs> which I, I've done like once or twice ever pulled off something that extreme were you the one on the tank side no no like I got writing in a thousand AD in one Civ game on Immortal and, and went on to win it oh my gosh <laughs> oh yikes that, that was the best game I'd ever streamed I wish it had saved that was an amazing moment for this me. This isn't like a, like a, a situation where you're playing as the Chinese where you don't discover alphabet. I, I botched a rush with Mally. That's why I got writing that late. Ah. But the reason I was able to get back into the game was uh, certain abuses of the espionage multipliers. In other words, I gifted one of the AIs a city that had my religion and culture swarmed it so that they couldn't build anything there and uh, stacked all the modifiers I could to steal really inexpensively. And I went from, like, currency to infantry in a very short number of turns. It was stupid. <laughs> Clever. Yeah, it was a, that was a fun game, for sure. Let's see, what does this forum thread say are things that other people rarely do? The first couple posts mentioned harvesting resources. Oh yeah, I have never chopped a resource ever. I probably I don't have. do it as often as I haven't. Should. I haven't done yeah, it intentionally, do but I've done either. it unintentionally a lot. Yeah, like, if I don't have, it's Magnus objectively stronger. City, like if you're playing optimally, you should generally. Yeah, if I don't have Magnus in the city, I I rarely ever, if ever, harvest a resource. Like unless it's like it's in a spot where I know I'm going to be building a district, then I'll I'll harvest it. That's usually pretty much the only reason that I do. But I also play with You can the, like move Magnus to cities. Yeah, that's true. Uh but I it's just it takes a long time to do and I almost always have Magnus with the the trade route buffs 
the food and growth rate bump yeah. trade routes. So I just leave him in my capital because all my trade routes are going to my capital, growing all of my frontier cities. So I don't want to move him and lose those those buffs. So I, I rarely ever uh, do that. Uh, that and I also play with disasters at like two or three. So I'm always hesitant to harvest a resource. Uh, because I, I always worry about a disaster, like pillaging or destroying infrastructure, and then me not having the production to rebuild it. But you would normally have either gold or it's a production city, right? Normally? Yeah, but you can't spend gold to repair things. So if it's like an, an improvement, no big deal. But if like a district gets pillaged, that can oh, suck. Okay, you, you don't have to like harvest literally everything. <laughs> But generally speaking, harvesting is the stronger play. Yeah, I know, I get it, which is why I'm saying I probably don't do it as often as I should. Yeah, fair enough. But I could see how someone would uh, would choose that, though. Because it does feel kind of bad, like, like you're sacrificing your long-term or whatever. Like, that's a hard mentality to lose in strategy games. Or at least it was for me way back in the day. I mean, you play them long enough, and there's a lot of patterns that repeat. You understand the early advantages are worth enough that it's sacrificing your long term still makes you stronger in the long term because the the stuff right now is worth that much. But like that's not intuitive to a lot of people uh, when they're still getting used to strategy games. Let's see what else is here. I see a few people saying they never attack or conquer city states. They're obviously not named Dan Q. That's also something that I rarely ever do. I, I pretty much only do it if they're like suzerain to my enemy and they're at war with me anyway. And then I'm like, all right, well, whatever. Or if they just have like a really, really good natural wonder next to them. Yeah, for me, it depends on how quality the land is that the city-state has and uh, whether or not it has good suzerain bonuses that I want and whether I can get those bonuses rather than the AI. Yeah, sometimes I'll declare war and conquer like that one city-state that all of the AIs invest all of their envoys into, just to be like, haha, no, none of you get the bonus. Yeah, although it's kind of nice to have them like, all concentrate that. Yeah, uh, of course the downside is that then everybody is mad at you. Eh, everyone's always mad at me anyway, it's fine. You're a human and you exist on the map. Everybody's mad at you. Well, you can you can diplo gain the AI, but that only goes so far when you've conquered like four of them. So it just depends. But yeah, if you're if you're playing a peaceful game, there are ways to manipulate the AI's agendas and uh, such that you're not guaranteed war all the time. <laughs> but once you've already taken like two capitals, uh, you've kind of made your bed. Even just one capital early on, and now you never have any diplomatic power. It's like, come on. Yeah, yeah you're basically sacking that victory if you do that. Which, I don't have a problem with that. I'd rather just be strong, but well, it's another way to play, I guess. I won't judge you too much if we go in that route. Just a little bit of judging. Other things people have never done. The slowest building speed. Because games last long enough already. Uh, yeah. I used to love epic and marathon paced games uh, back in the Civ 4 days, but that was when I had a lot more free time, so. Well, Civ 4 played faster, too. Yeah. Just objectively, like the inputs and the turn rollovers are both faster. 
so you could get away with that more. But even then, like late games with Marathon would drag, even in Civ 4, so... Yeah, I rarely ever yeah. played a Civ 4 game to completion, though. I'd get to, like, the Renaissance or Industrial Era, and then I'd get bored and start a new game. Uh, yeah, if you hammered through in turn, you could end stuff pretty quickly. Some people have never done exploits. Well, uh, well we've, had him, we've had him in our multiplayer game be done unintentionally. Yeah, and it depends what you mean when you say that, too, because, well, I complain about it a lot, but people have funny ideas of what constitutes exploits sometimes. But there are, like, the like the really extreme stuff, like the uh, infinite pantheons and stuff. Like, yeah. even I won't do that, because it just trivializes the game for me. So, like, at that point, it, <laughs> why even bother playing? But I can understand, like, someone wanting to do it, like, one-off or something, just to, to see what happens. It's just not for me. I'm seeing a lot of people saying they never build air units or anti-air units. They're probably playing against the AI a lot, in which case there's no need to do either of those things. Yeah, it's really strong, but yeah, you're not exactly forced to do it by any stretch but by the bombers, AI. Bombers are very much worth it if you're going for a late-game conquest push. So. Fighters are good, too. But yeah, bombers are fantastic. Somebody's never built a GDR. What? Oh, I still have yet to do that. If I built one, it's been like one ever. I don't, I don't use them, really. Oh, very, very rarely does my game get to that point. But when I do get to that point, I always make a point of getting one just for the fun. Yeah, stomp, but that's stomp. really all the all the reason you would do it. Because like, if you're fighting an AI, <laughs> artillery is enough to kill anything the AI makes, pretty much. So yeah, I mean, I'm talking artillery armies with proper support, not just build an artillery and you're good. But if you <laughs> yeah, have artillery yeah. armies with like three to four range, and you have like four or five of them. There's not a whole lot the AI produces that holds up to that. Yeah, I, I rarely ever need a GDR because I already have an army with like two uh, artillery armies and a battleship armada and a bomber, you know, giving me all the support I need. So, yeah. You know, with all that stuff going at once, you can get a city defenses down in like one or two turns and then just walk in with your infantry. Yeah, and by then your infantry is fast even. Like, you don't even need tanks or... Uh... Like the the really fast mounted type stuff anymore. Between policy cards available, yeah, and just get general promotions, all that stuff stacked up, you wind up having no trouble. Get like four or five moves. I suppose the more efficient use of my uranium would be to build newts because that's like super artillery, but yeah, more fun. Stomp. And uh, it's not very easy. Uh, to have countermeasures built for nukes. Yeah, whereas if a city's strong enough, it could countermeasure a GTR if you get far enough into the game. <laughs> or they, well, they could nuke your, uh, <laughs> that too. your GDR. And uh, that, that feels bad. Uh, that is definitely a feels bad moment. <laughs> kind of answers which one you'd want your resources in, if not for the cool factor. Oh, national parks. Yeah, you know. I've done it, I think I've done it once or twice, but half the time the map is not arranged to allow national parks. So. Yeah, they're so restrictive. Like, you really have to, like, plan out a national park from, like, the before you even found a city and be like, this is where a national park is going to be. That reminds me. I'm not sure. I, I'm sure I did it, like, in my first game or something, but, I, like, since then I've not built any partisan centers. Or, I mean, neighborhoods. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Neighborhoods, yeah. No, they're partisan centers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, what I said the first time is probably the more accurate. <laughs> AI spy magnets. Well, then you just can park your spy in there and go, oops, I captured your spy. Oops, I killed your spy. Oops, I captured your spy. Yeah, if it's worth it to you. After I got finally some of my ability to do things back, I played my first game of Civ in a while and built uh, neighborhoods. (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) Whoops. I forgot about that. I actually forgot about it, too. Like, I knew there was some reason I didn't build them, but I didn't remember what it was. And then he built one. And then he mentioned it to me, like, oh, yeah, that's why I never make those. (laughs) Well, at least the AIs build them now, so you can actually use that uh, espionage mission against them occasionally. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Because I think all the way up through the release of Gathering Storm, I had, like, never seen an AI build... A neighborhood other than uh you know congo building its unique district it's not a very uh attractive mission though it's like i'm much bigger on things that confer some benefit to me rather than just bringing a particular opponent down i mean there's a time and place for bringing your opponent down but most of the time you're better served by making yourself stronger somehow with those spies and you could do both if you like steal their money or whatever but yeah i mean usually you do it in the hopes that the uh uh, barbarians that spawn will like pillage their districts or something, but you have no control over what they actually do. They might just suicide themselves against the city walls, and then it's like, well, I just wasted my time. Yeah. Someone has never played as Korea because it looks like so much science bonus, so little for so little effort. This civ is I can understand good. I'm not going to play it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely do that in uh, games. I understand that sentiment for sure. I guess if you're not too concerned about getting all the achievements so you don't need the career win and all that. Yeah. Well, sure, if you need the achievement or whatever, but, like, generally playing, like, super strong civs, you kind of get spoiled by that a little bit. And some people like that, but I don't know. I I like playing mostly generic stuff. Okay, I think we have just enough time to squeeze in one more topic. For the end of the show. Okay, so our final topic for today looks like it is going to be another Civ Fanatics post, this one by user named Mahi, which asks, Is Civ 6 the most peaceful iteration ever? And this user is basically saying that since the latest patch, uh, AIs have not declared war on them at all, and they're just sitting there for an eternity, clicking next turn without anything happening. Uh, yada, yada, yada. And then I actually uh, searched through the entire thread to see if this person ever came back and responded because the very first post was, what difficulty are you playing on? Yeah. Uh, And (laughs) this person did not reply until the last post that's currently in the thread, which is probably like days or weeks later. I didn't actually look at the date. And they said, oh, uh, I might be using mods so, uh, <laughs> oh, there we go. That's uh, and apparently, yeah, they were tweaking some settings in the mods that may or may not have resulted in like the AIs actually not competing to attempt to win the game. But nevertheless, this did spurn like four, you know, forum pages worth of conversation. So, of course, success. <laughs> the answer is no. So, I think Civ Five is the most peaceful save overall. Civ Five. 
uh, gather uh, beyond the beyond the so what what was it? Uh, Brave beyond New World so was was more 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 peaceful than Civ Six. Civ Five Gods and Kings was much more warlike. They were very aggressive in that game. Yeah, yeah. Civ Five swung wildly between ag- aggressive, and also I, f- I feel like the difficulty swung kind of wildly between expansions as well. Like the vanilla game was very slow, very easy, nothing happened at all. Gods and Kings came out, and you know, suddenly all those great war era units were you know pillaging and plundering all over the map all the time, every game. And then uh, Brave New World came out, and it was like, oh, you mean I get reciprocal bonuses from trading with the other players? Well, sign me up. Yeah. I forgot that trade routes didn't exist before Brave New World. Yeah, <laughs> like, not at all. There was no concept of trade routes in Civ Five until uh, Brave New World came out. The closest thing they had was that city connection, and it was only between your cities. Yeah, that was a big change. Big introduction. I'm so used to having to use trade routes now. I, I'm like, oh wait, there was a Civ without them? <laughs> I mean, we had caravans for a long time, but you had to manually kind of control that thing. And usually, well, Civ Four abstracted them, but they were still a big deal even in Civ Four. But you didn't have to like build the unit for them. Like, there's a reason the Great Lighthouse is considered one of the top wonders in the game, and that's not because trade wasn't in Civ Four, that's for sure. Yeah, it looks like the general consensus in this uh, thread is that it depends on what AIs and what agendas are in play. And uh, yeah, that's been my experience as well. Sometimes you just roll the games that are just Gandhi and Cleopatra and, uh, you know, not a whole lot happens. Uh, and other games, you know, you're, the first three civs you meet are Montezuma, Alexander, and, uh, uh, you know, Genghis Khan and, you know... It just goes downhill from there. Yeah. I have. I don't think I've ever played a game of Civ Six yet where uh, I, I did not have conflict, whether deliberate or not, with uh, Alexander. Alexander is... There's a reason he's called um, Butt-Chin. Because <laughs> he's a butt. I think there's more than one reason he's called that, to be fair. I also end up in conflict a lot with uh, the German leader, uh, Frederick, just because I almost always seem to have one too many envoys and city-states for his liking. Yeah, well, he's kind of a butt-chin himself. Yeah. Well, that's the running theme, is is if you've got all the butt-chin uh, leaders in the game, then yeah, there's going to be a lot more war. They're not going to have a pleasant time. Oh, such a mess. Well, I guess it depends. If if you're Phil, maybe you are having a very pleasant time. <laughs> well, I mean, you just kill him the same as anybody else. It's not that big a deal. I'm just imagining, like, Phil playing a game that's got, like, nothing but, like, a Gandhi and Poundmaker and Cleopatra in it, and he's just sitting there hitting end turn, being like, somebody give me a reason. <laughs> I don't, don't worry, I can find a reason. The reason they <laughs> exist. I found your borders. There we go. Yeah, there you go. Oh, found your borders. Declare war. I know where your borders are located now. Your borders are in my way. I'm going to need your land. Your borders are on my lawn. Get off it. You seem to be claiming this land, but I think I need it. <laughs> well, there's a tried and chewy way to settle these disputes, so that's good. 
putting them and on that's... the other end of a pointy stick. Yeah. Yeah, the ten swords wonder. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's horsemen or knights or whatever. I mean, but never. It's good to be flexible. Never catapult. Well, I don't think the ten catapult wonder is going to work as well as the ten sword wonder. Let's just say. Be impressive. I don't know. If you you had ten of them, then maybe. I mean, if you've got ten of everything, I think you're in pretty good shape. Or ten of anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed if you produce ten catapults. The city can, can only ima- bombard one of them at a time, so... Can you imagine you're in a heated uh, multiplayer game, you get declared war on, and then ten catapults roll into your land? What are you gonna do? Yeah, Just, I'll, like, I'll admit, what? I'm not prepared for that. <laughs> you probably kill them with your knights, because catapults are, I'm... like, ridiculous to make. Yeah, yes, I'm... but but the shock value would be enough to make you think, what is this person doing? <laughs> it's paralyzing. <laughs> There must be another massive army, like, on the other side of my forest. I've got to move everything over there and just not even do anything about these catapults. Clearly, it's a trick. It's a trap! (laughs) This isn't the real army. This isn't the real war. I mean, obviously, you would need another unit, because the catapults can't capture a city, but... Yeah, a warrior can just, or even a scout could just walk in after the catapults are done bombarding and just be like, "All right, my city now." They're like they're tolerable if you can get XP on them. The problem is like they're just so slow to get going. Yeah, and they die in two hits from a city. So in the time it takes to set them up, you you also have to have a general in order for them. Yeah, to, to get that, you know, two oh. shots off. I figure that people, like, actually don't go for generals every game, without exception. But yes, you do need a general. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> a thing that, that surprised me in that last uh, thread, that I, I didn't see too many people saying, oh, I don't ever go for generals. Because uh, they're smarter than that. Yeah, that's another thing that I don't do probably enough. I don't, I don't get enough early generals, and then I kind of wonder why my armies aren't doing as well as they probably should. Like, I will straight up build the project for it to make sure I get one. And there is that nowadays they sort of have an expiration date. So even if you had an early general later on, if you if you if you plan to go to war later in the game, all you're going to get out of a great early great general is the. I mean, well, if you have a defensive war, you need it, but you'll just have whatever bonus they get on retirement. Unless you're on Colombia, which you can yeah, you have a lot, and yeah, double them up because you know. Well, you get them, and they don't expire. The yes, thing. they're special. Yeah, but if you got a regular great general too, then you can later on you can have double generaling in an army. Yeah, and those districts are not like that good outside of war, but they're not useless. Like you get a fair amount of production from them and such. Yeah, yeah. The Im- increase to your resource cap is also helpful, and yeah. housing. I've heard enough housing. It's not dead weight outside of war, but it's really there to help you make better armies. Even, and it does and that. Even if you're not uh, fighting a lot and using those uh, strategic resources, like just selling them, you know, to the AIs can get you a lot of money. That's true. That's true. They do ask for them a lot. I try not to do that too much in our multiplayer games. <laughs> Sell crap to the AI that my human people are. <laughs> Yeah, trying to fight to the AI that we're trying to fight. Thanks. <laughs> no, I will not give you all of my diplomatic favor. Will you take twenty iron instead? 
diplomatic favor. You have two. I'll give you all this for two diplomatic. What's two diplomatic favor going to do for you, man? You can't even vote with that much. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I recognize that it's really hard to come by early in the game. But yeah, you, you've like it's not worth buying or selling unless you're buying or selling enough to actually make a vote with it. And what is the, I yeah. think the cheapest one? Is is like is it fifteen? Is that what the ten? Is it ten? Yeah. Yeah, I probably overvalues that way too much. Yeah, I think they really I think even patched it down a few times, and it's still like they'll come to me and and be like, "I'll give you two hundred fifty gold and ten gold per turn for two diplomatic favor." And I'm like, okay, I guess I wasn't using it. Yeah, I'm not going to say no to free money, but come on. And then they still lose the things they're proposing because every other player gets the first free vote anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I get wrecked. I think we've beat the horse to death. Oh no, the poor horse. What a tasty treat. Or is that the wrong context? <sighs> Alright, everyone. Get out! Okay, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone will actually do it. <laughs> Alright. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us on podcast episode 364 on the mean team, and I was joined by Canis Alvinus. I'm going to change the motto of my state to My goodness, it's hot. Makalua? <laughs> we don't want to talk about what I need to change my state's motto to. Oh, God. And Mega Bears fan. 107 degrees was the high here yesterday, so. <sighs> but it's dry there, right? Yeah, but it's still hot. <laughs> it's drier there than it is here. It's uh, 90% humidity it here. Yeah, well, very, we had, very much. We had seven percent humidity, so very much. Oh, yeah. Here. Well, we have four hundred and seventy percent humidity. I have a Saharan dust cloud. How about y'all? <laughs> We're getting that tomorrow. <laughs> How much humidity do you need before it's just water? A hundred. Nice. So I have four times the volume of water here, and then some. It's that humid. Well, technically, 100% humidity means it's raining. Yeah, okay. It sounds like Phil is broadcasting from somewhere in the ocean. Yeah, he's got a (laughs) mic that isn't exactly the perfect, but it's better than the one that echoed. (laughs) It's not the perfect. That's a a good way of putting it, actually. I was just just talking about the 400% humidity. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's true. It's, It's hard to find a mic that works well underwater. this audio cue going on this long oh yeah it goes on a long time civilization hold on
Civilization 3, 4, 5, Beyond Earth, and 6 content, copyright Take-Two Interactive. Copyright the Polycast at thepolycast.net.